Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Christ Jesus, to the glory and praise of God. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves, but of God. 2 Corinthians 3, and verse 5. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, the Word of God says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us to be begotten again to a living hope, by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Friends, the future is as bright as the promises of God. We've been begotten again to a living hope. Many might be wondering, what is the church going to look like in the future? What might it look like for my kids or my grandkids? as long as one holds to God's unchanging hand and to the precious Word of God, we have every reason for optimism, not cynicism. Tonight we'll be looking at a continuation of this morning's lesson. God, the future, and you. This morning I mentioned five trends that we're seeing in those soul world that the church needs to respond to in a biblical and God-honoring way. Tonight, as time allows, I'll look at perhaps six or seven more. Getting a little bit late start tonight, but we'll try to make things up and move on. In talking about trends that we're seeing... Political trends. We need to be increasingly aware that there are political trends out there that are marked by anger, that are marked by inflammatory rhetoric and evil speaking, and that are flat out marked by arrogance. And we need to avoid that because... It sounds a lot like the spirit of the age, and it fails to reflect the spirit of Christ. That's a big one. Especially in recent elections. Especially as legislation is brought forth that many of us as Christians feel is reprehensible. It's sinful. On one hand, we have some people that seem to be far better citizens of this country than they are Christians. And people need to repent if that's true. And on the other side, there are Christians that seem to be rather naive to the fact that throughout most of history, governments have been antagonistic to Christianity. Why should we be surprised if that becomes more true even here? 
Now, there may be people in this assembly who remember when this country had as its basis a belief in God and what we would call Judeo-Christian principles. There was generally a belief in Scripture, but most people in this assembly are not probably old enough to recall it. It's important that we be good citizens as Christians, but we are good citizens of the government because we are faithful Christians first. Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. It bothers me when I hear Christians who ought to know better engage in the same anger and inflammatory rhetoric and evil speaking and the same arrogance that people in the world do. It's always going to be a character issue with us. And if you listen to the men who prayed tonight, both of them spoke of being people who were light and salt in this old world. We can make our presence felt in a God-honoring and biblical way. And if this world, and even if this government, becomes more antagonistic to Christians, if any man suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this behalf. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16. Some Christians somehow seem to have the idea that America is God's chosen nation. And while I don't question for a moment God has blessed us greatly, I don't think it's right to equate America with Israel in the Old Testament. Trend number two tonight. In coming years, if the Lord wills this old earth to stand, in coming years... Members of the church will learn to pick their battles more biblically and wisely. In years to come, if this old world stands, members of the family of God will learn to pick their battles more biblically and wisely. We're to be set for the defense of the gospel, Philippians 1, 16 and 17. To contend earnestly for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Jude verse 3. We are to be people who are willing to stand up to those who do not walk in step with the gospel. Galatians 2 and verses 4 and 5. But not every battle that has been picked in my lifetime, has been wise or biblical. Sometimes it has been more of a matter of personal preference, and sometimes it has been a matter of personalities, and the strongest personality comes out on top. There are things that we must be willing to fight for as God's people. Fight the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6.12 War the good warfare, 1 Timothy 1 and verse 18. And we need to think like this. On the day of judgment, when we stand before Jesus, I do not want to be guilty of excluding anyone that God includes among the faithful. Do you? I don't want to exclude anybody that God includes among the faithful. 
but neither do I want to include anyone whom God excludes. That means picking our battles wisely and biblically. Within churches of Christ in the last 50 or so years, there have been a couple of extremes. There have been those to the extreme left who really have rejected biblical authority. Many of them who don't believe in the undenominational nature of the church or the need to think of Scripture in any way as a pattern are in the process of leaving the Lord's church for denominations. And if that's the type of stands they are going to take, all right. But there are extreme radicals on the other side of the spectrum. If there are those who to the left are willing to uh, twist and pervert and distort God's Word so that it no longer means what it says on the most basic of doctrines, there are those that are so rigid and determined to have their way in virtually everything, and if you don't agree with them, they'll write you up. This group is embodied in Galatians 5 and verse 15. Speaking of those who bite and devour one another. This group has always been loud and vocal. They will continue to be in years to come. But eventually they will cannibalize themselves. That's ever been the history of those of the radical right extreme position. They bite and devour one another. They will turn on one another. In days to come, I believe we'll choose our battles more biblically. Handling aright the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. I believe that we'll pick our battles more wisely and biblically. Because some things are not worth the time that we have wasted. Because they've taken us away from our real mission in Jesus. Third. In thinking about trends that will impact the church, I think this is yet another positive one. And it's a bright one. In days to come and years to come... Elders will become more shepherd-like and less overseers of facilities and finances. They will become more shepherds of souls and less involved in the facility and finances. I'm not saying elders do not have authority, just the contrary. They do have authority in matters of judgment in the work of the Lord. But that will be even more respected in my judgment in years to come because the shepherds will have a heart for the sheep. 
One can be concerned about facilities and finances and neglect souls. An elder is a man of maturity and judgment. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 32. A man, a man that's an elder is also an overseer, a man of management. But an elder is also a shepherd. He's a man of heart. Ladies and gentlemen, it is desperately needed in these times. And I've worked under 67 elders through the years. And I've appreciated each and every one that more elders become men of heart and mentors to the future generation. That they really make an impact through their godly lives, their character and wisdom on the people that they oversee. Finances and facilities will always have a place. But were I an elder, I would be far more concerned about the souls entrusted to my care than even the facility and the finances. Next. This is number four for tonight if you're following along. In 20 to 25 years, the church may well encourage those who have a godly imagination, the ability to dream, and who have skills that I would suggest are not often appreciated as much, maybe, as they should be among us. The artist, the poets, the songwriters, those that can produce books, poetry, television programming, etc. among us that's God-honoring and reflects Christian goodness. Where are those people? I think more of them will come to the forefront in years to come. Having a godly imagination. And by that I mean one brought under God's control. Having the ability to dream. Being a person who's a visionary. If this is used in a way that wants to honor God and does not violate Scripture, we should appreciate that. I don't know if any of you have seen uh, some of the religious programming. Uh, I think it's called The Person, and it has to do with the life of Jesus. Right title? Right title? Some, some, it's, you can go to YouTube and look up something about the life of Christ, and it has really uh, taken off with millions of views in this country. We have the abilities in the church now and the talent level to be able to produce quality programming that can help people better see God's will for their life. God help us to utilize that. And for people not to be feel, feeling like they're left out, you know, we've often emphasized reason and the mind, and we need to continue to do that. 
and make sure that God's Word is preached and taught. But we also need to encourage people that are artists and poets and writers. Where are the Tillett S. Tedleys of 2021? Maybe some of our young people in years to come will be that person. Next. In dealing with what the future may hold and trusting the good Lord to see us through with His promises, let me just mention a couple of more in the time that we have left. In the future... More well-qualified, faithful Christians will be involved in religious counseling. The people of God, the family of God, ought to be leading the way in helping hurting people find joy and peace and mercy from Jesus. I cringe when people ask me nowadays, can you recommend a good counselor because I'm constantly on the lookout for someone who ideally is a Christian who will handle God's Word the way it ought to be handled and will help people who need to know something of God's joy and peace and comfort when they're hurting you may be a person that has an interest in that. You may be a person that has ability in that area. Churches that are thoughtful and are wise, and I don't think for a moment that this is going to be the exception. It'll be more normal in years to come. Because some of the problems people have are so deep, it's well above my level of expertise and our shepherds are not comfortable with helping them too much because it's beyond their level of expertise. They help and they give good advice. But we need solid, well-qualified people to faithfully serve the Lord in counseling capacities. And we may well find someone like that. And when we do, we ought to encourage them in every way, perhaps even financially, in getting additional training. This, mention, this morning I mentioned a number of things that the church can do, and then I got a, a text message this afternoon saying, I really appreciate what you said. How can we implement this, if you're going to mention 10 or 12 uh, areas, that the future trends may hold for us? I'll tell you what. How about looking at two or three every year? How about just looking at emphasizing two or three every year and in a few years we will have emphasized all of these and others that people might see coming. Those of Issachar understood the times and knew what to do. First Chronicles 12 and verse 32. We can be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves in approaching the future. Matthew 10, 16. One last one I will mention tonight. I believe that in the future, Christians will be 
more evangelistic congregationally and personally. And it'll be natural. So often, for the last years, well, to talk about personal evangelism, it almost seemed as if those advocating personal evangelism did a personality change right in front of us. And they went from being very natural and well-spoken to sounding just like a salesman trying to sell Jesus and the gospel. We don't need to use that kind of terminology. First of all, the Bible does it. We're talking about eternal souls. And it's more than a sales pitch. It has to do with the proclamation of divine truth from one friend to another. It's people engaging each other with the message of God. Evangelism will be more personal. And evangelism will be more natural. And whatever method one uses, and Adam and I spoke about that a couple of Wednesday nights ago, the idea of evangelism tips. Whatever method you use, be natural with it. Be yourself to the glory of God with it because you will be more effective because people will see that you're sincere and you're real and people will forgive a lot in us, but they will not forgive a lack of sincerity and authenticity. And they shouldn't. What are we trying to bring them into? We are trying to bring them into the family of God. i got to mention this as I close. One last quick one. The church will be more multi-generational. Do you know, have you noticed who the biggest supporters and encouragers of Pew Packers are? It's great to see mom and dad and others sitting up with the kids, but you know who the biggest, the biggest encouragers are? Those that are 60 and 70 and 80 and 90 that smile and are singing and are encouraging. Through the years, and I have seen this, and there's a place for it, but we've taken it too far. We have separated the church in so many ways age-wise, from education to worship to fellowship. Young people are going to get together and do this. The church is the family of God. 1 Timothy 3.15 Ephesians 2.19-22 And while we still will have things that are age appropriate, I am thankful that the church in the future will be more inclusive of everyone because every child needs a grandma or grandpa in the faith. Every child needs that. And older people need a child who looks up to them and loves them. And the relationships that are there that we are trying to emphasize in matters like pew packers are good because it encourages the family. The family. And we need to do more of that. Let the church say amen. The church will be multi-generational. And that's exactly what God wants. We can always appreciate age groups, but we're family. We're the body of Christ. And the body needs to work and encourage each other. 
Thank you for listening. As we close, the plan of salvation, the young people sang about it. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and be faithful. It makes a lot of sense when you examine Scripture to simply say, why not do what you should in responding to Jesus? Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, live faithfully. If you haven't, now's a great time to come to Jesus. And if you are a Christian, how are you going to stand up to the days that are ahead? Some churches aren't going to make it. Some Christians are not going to make it. They'll fall away. It's always been that way, sadly. But God's promise is true that He'll see us through. Let's trust Him. Let us stand and sing.